It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Living Worth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find us online by going to livingworth.com. It's great to be with you once again, Brian. How are you this week? Doing great. Just got back from the beach, and uh, it was an interesting time to be at the beach and wearing face masks for the uh, the whole COVID situation. Those two things just don't go together, do they? Being being on the beach and in that environment, and then also thinking about wearing this mask, and it's it's just not a fun mesh of two worlds, that's for sure. Yeah, it was interesting. We were, we were in one of the uh, tri-county areas down in South Florida that was mandating masks, and we, we literally had to have them coming and going to the beach. Once we were on the beach, we could obviously remove them, but uh, I thought it was an appropriate uh, preparation for today's topics because the mask was a a bit of a protection. And today we're going to be talking about some protections in retirement. So uh, maybe it's a maybe it was a good preparation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to go as we transition into today's content. But before we do it, I'm curious, you know, everyone's got their different mask styles since we started off there. Do you have like a, I could just see you, Brian, having a like very specialized mask for yourself. Either something that shows like a pizza mask, like you've got with like pizza designs on it, or I could see you going the, like the full direction of like, well, if I'm going to do the mask, I'm going to have like the full gas mask and you know hooded covering and everything. What what so is your mask? We, we of have choice? we have a super cool dentist here in Greensboro, and uh, we, we can talk about them later. But they had some masks with one that had a mustache, kind of like a curly handlebar mustache nice. printed on it. And they had one that had the Marilyn Monroe lips and beauty mark. And so I oscillate back and forth between the lips and the mustache. Wow. That's great. That's better than I thought that was going to be. I I do get a lot of comments on it. Everybody gets it. It's a little bit of levity to the severity of the situation. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to choose your, uh, choose your mask wisely, depending on what function you're going to, right? That's right. That's right. Well, very good. As uh, Brian mentioned, we do have some great conversation on the way today. It's the beginning of a two-part series where we're going to be talking about addressing the risk to your retirement security. So you want to secure retirement. What are the risks that threaten that security? And we're going to talk about two major elements of that. And one of them is going to be on today's show. We're going to be talking about the role of long-term care. And then on the second episode, we're going to talk about annuities and what role they play and some of the ins and outs of that conversation. So we're really looking forward to diving into all of that on today's show. Here's the cool part. We're going to do it with a special guest joining the program. Jamal Mahmood, a certified financial planner, has worked in the financial services industry since 1998. He has a deep expertise and experience in the areas of retirement planning, insurance planning, and risk management, as well as personal investment management. And he began his career as an equities trader And then from 2002 to 2010, so for about eight years, worked as an insurance agent and wealth management advisor at Northwestern Mutual Life. And he's been a certified financial planner now since uh, 2010. And Jamal is the director of insurance services at Main Street Financial Solutions. That's where the intersection with Brian certainly comes into play through Brian's experience of working with Main Street Financial Solutions and getting great access to resources like Jamal. And uh, Jamal's interests include history, economics, and the coming impact of changing technology 
on work and civilization, and he lives in Verona, New Jersey. And Jamal, thanks for being with us uh, this week. How are you? Thank you so much, Walter and Brian. Uh, I'm great. How are you guys? I'm doing great. And uh, Walter, very, very glad to have uh, Jamal here. And uh, no pressure, Jamal. We've, it, we're good <laughs> friends because we've gotten to know each other through all of the interchange and, and interaction with through Main Street. But uh, Carrie Debs was a guest on here, and I got a lot of positive feedback oh, yeah. on, on that episode. So, uh, so no pressure. We, we've set the so bar Car- high. Car- <laughs> Carrie went first, huh? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's that old debate. Do you go first and uh, you know set the bar high for the next person, or do you, uh, do you want to be the follow-up act? So, yeah, you've got Yo. your work cut out for you. But Brian and I are going to help you along the way. So uh, it's great to have you with us, Jamal. I'm looking forward to you sharing your expertise with us on these various topics over the next two episodes. So I'm just curious, you know, kind of looking at your your bio and kind of what you've uh, what you've been through in your professional journey. What kind of uh, got you into this side of the business? Because you've it sounds like you've kind of had your hands in all sorts of different elements, from um, the annuity angle to you know managed yeah. money and the wealth management side. So you've yeah. kind of been able to see it from all angles. I started in the insurance business because that's where uh, that's where my dad was, uh, kind of when. Um, he he got started in the insurance business in the 1970s, and then I joined his practice. So I spent, uh, he was at Northwestern Mutual Life, very big insurance company. Uh, and uh, I spent the first 10 years of my career over there. What ended up happening and what kind of got me uh, over to the other side was that I inherited a lot of clients from him. And what I found was that most of them didn't want to be sold products and didn't want to kind of be pitched the standard fare that uh, the company that I worked for uh, had on offer. Most of them just kind of trusted me and my dad and wanted uh, advice and wanted uh, true financial planning. Uh, so uh, the decision that I made is is one that a lot of advisors, Brian, I think you kind of had the similar calculus when you uh, made a career shift a few years ago, but um, the calculus is that if you're really going to sit on the same side of the table as your clients and be a planner and not uh, be an intermediary for product sales, the better thing is to take your knowledge and, and uh, work uh, work for your clients. So as an independent financial planner now, that's what I do. But uh, I still remember some things from my insurance days, and so we apply, we try and apply it uh, uh, for everyone's benefit uh, in the setting that we're in now. So that's kind of how I got here. And Brian, it seems like uh, Jamal's just another great example of why you've partnered with the folks at Main Street Financial Solutions so that you can have that access to great resources and, and great minds like him. Well, while I like to think that I know it all, it uh, is actually too hard to know everything. And so, yeah, truly, I mean, we, we come together in these groups. And if I get a complex question, I've got a network of people that I can turn to. And Jamal has been great because he's, he's uh, what be the right way to put this, equal parts uh, geek with the <laughs> it, quantitative insurance protection uh, side, but he's a charming and uh, personable and very, very <laughs> likable and, and interesting person. I've, I've got some inter- interesting things to tell you about Jamal. Maybe he, later, he still but, has uh, some bedside manner, in other words. He, he does. He's an excellent bedside manner. So very, everybody likes Jamal. Thank well, you. It's, it's interesting that you say that because I've heard, you know, both of you guys are certified financial planners, and I've always heard the, the saying, uh, you know, what's the difference between a financial advisor and a certified financial planner? And it's that CFPs, for short, they care. And, you know, it's simple and simplistic, but do you guys think that that's accurate? Why do financial planners care so much about their clients? Why do you have that bedside manner, Jamal? Why is that so important to you to have sort of that human side as well as the uh, geeky side, as Brian put it? It's a good question. Um, I think that uh, 
I don't know. It's just a, a kind of a, a part of uh, who you are as a as a person. And I don't think Brian and I are unique. I think there are, there are a lot of uh, uh, good professionals who kind of see it the same way. But there's there's something too when you when you're working with clients in a position where you're really able to kind of impact their lives uh, as opposed to you know selling them T-shirts or bagels or things like that that they're kind of buy and go on their way. You know the things that Brian and I work with clients on. They're things that can really impact their their lives and their families in a very uh, profound way. And so um, it doesn't take too much for, you know, for people like myself and Brian and others to kind of realize the immense responsibility that comes with that and to take it seriously and to want to go a little deeper than just see how you can kind of uh, grow and benefit yourself. So that being said, not everybody does it the way we do it. So I'm sure there's uh, every, some people look at it differently, but, uh, but I think that's what it was for me is once you realize that people trust you, what are you going to do with that trust? Um, so we try and live up to that. And, and largely, be, like like Jamal, I came in into the business from the investments, equity, and then I I, I got an insurance license, and, and you get into it from some product side or or some aspect of of the industry. But then you there are a group of people who want to take their expertise and their knowledge and their skill set to a higher level, and the certified financial planner designation is one of those that th- there are certain designations, Walter, where you can really go deep into portfolio analysis. You can be a certified financial analyst. Well, whereas the certified financial planner designation gives you a broad, maybe not as deep, but a very broad uh, knowledge so that you begin to incorporate, you know, more insurance, more tax, uh, the estate planning, understanding business structures. You, You just end up with a much broader knowledge. And so you can be this high level big picture kind of planner and that's the, that's the yeah. key word in, in certified financial planner is planner mm-hmm. and you get to a point where you realize oh these are these are product areas these are you know you have to have the portfolio you have to have the protections you've got all these programs and and that, that's why I've I've structured my uh process into those those four Ps the 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 personal the portfolio the programs and the protections and um once you get an expertise in all these different areas, you can solve problems in a much more interesting way than simply applying the same product or solution to to everyone like, like we see happen often. That level of care that you guys have, I imagine, leads to some very open and honest discussions with your clients. So what do you get from clients these days as being their, their main goals for retirement? What's important to people right now? I imagine that then really dictates what you do with their plan and, and how you make it all come together. Yeah, well, obviously right now, between we had a great run from the financial crisis up to the corona crisis that we've had here recently. So the the number one and obvious thing that comes onto people's mind is what what to do in a market downturn. And that is obvious, near term, and, and even present and highlighted by the, the, the most recent events. But uh, the flip side of that is actually people are living longer. And as they live longer, you've got to have inflation protection, and we've seen a dramatic rise in in healthcare costs. So, so th- those are the, uh, the the things I see that people are most concerned about, obviously, and then maybe at a less conscious level, concerned about the longevity. I'm glad you bring that up, uh, Brian, because that the impact of longevity and what that does to retirement planning it it's kind of the common theme that runs through both. Uh, certainly today's topic on long-term care insurance and the uh, the second one that we're supposed to cover in the next uh, in the next podcast on annuities that really impacts 
both of them or really kind of draws both of those uh, solutions into, into the mix. And if you contrast it with what you said about market declines, I think that's a very, it's interesting because people do think about market declines as being the primary concern. Um, and, and that's definitely understandable. And it's the thing that kind of makes headlines and all that stuff. But the same kind of feeling of, of dread that can happen when you have uh, when you experience a market decline and you say, okay, well, you know what, my portfolio, it just dropped by 15% or 20% in a two-week period. What am I going to do now? Just put yourself in the position of thinking your, you know, your retirement is going along fine and, and all of a sudden you uh, have emerging healthcare issues that you know uh, are going to end up creating major medical expenses over the over the long term. Um, once you have that happen, you really can't go back and uh, do anything about that because um, you need to insure against costs before they happen. Um, so it's just another example of the kinds of other risks that people don't think about that uh, that maybe don't get the headlines that uh, that a market crash does. So we have these, uh, the market crash gets the headlines. The long-term care issue, though, may be just as dangerous or damaging to a financial plan's success rate and uh, often an overlooked element of the financial plan. And that's why we're going to spend some time really talking about that heavily on today's show. So, And, and Walter, let me, let me just, we did the second episode of the uh, Greek letter alphabet uh, podcast, and we talked about gamma. And re- remember the stat, I think it was like, 36% of people fear dying, but 65% fear living too long or outliving <laughs> their portfolios. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's that really is a underlying, if not expressed, concern that a lot of people have. That's yeah, a great thing to uh, bring back up and mention. And uh, for those who haven't listened, definitely go check out that Gamma episode uh, that we just recently did. One of the more interesting topics we've definitely covered on this show. So let's dive in a little bit more into this long-term care conversation this is something that you guys aren't just talking about theoretically, right? I mean, you've seen specific examples of just the kind of power a uh, you know a long-term care issue yeah. that hits a an, an ill-prepared plan can cause. Absolutely, Walter. Do you? I just want to back up a minute because you um, we just mentioned something interesting about uh, lifespans and longevity, and there's a couple of interesting stats I just wanted to to toss out at you and or see if uh, you guys were aware of or so if your listeners were aware of. Do you know, Brian? I'm going to give. I'm, I'll give both of you a guess. What's the average life expectancy for a uh, a 65 year old healthy 65 year old uh, healthy retiree? I'm going to go with 82. I say 86 or 88. Yeah, good guesses. <laughs> 84 for a man, 86 for a woman. Um, oh, there, I, I knew it was a two year yeah. difference between the man, male and female. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to average the two. I went a little low. The, uh, but the, if you extrapolate from that, there, there's a couple of things. So first of all, the chances of one person out of a couple living into their 90s are better than average, better than 50%. So if you have two people, you've got to imagine that, w- that one of them very well could live into their 90s. And the other thing is that uh, it's higher for, you know, this is from the general population, but the wealthier you are, the more you're able to take care of yourself and get the best health care and things like that. So the chances of uh, a wealthy couple living into their 90s is even higher than the average. Um, so when you take those things into account, it really does bring up the, uh, uh, it really does make you think about, you know, if you're retiring, it's, you know, in your 60s, 70s or so forth, you really have to plan for a much longer period of time than some people uh, kind of give it credit for. The long-term care insurance, of course, it comes in because the longer you live, the more likely it is that you're going to have some sort of a, 
of medical costs that are that that kind of fall under the definition of of long-term care, and uh, those those expenses they can be major and they can be financially catastrophic. They're not typically covered by Medicare or Medicare supplement insurance or or uh, private uh, health insurance plans. Um, and if people aren't expecting that, that can have a major uh, devastating impact on people's uh, on their quality of life and, and and on their portfolios. Well, those are fascinating stats, and they really drive home that point that you could be retired for 25, 30 years, um, and, and a lot happens during that time, not only with the market like we were talking about earlier, but with long-term care situations as well. So, so what are some of the examples you guys have seen those long-term care situations turn into for folks who weren't, weren't prepared, or maybe they were prepared, and it was just a great illustration of how well they were prepared to handle that kind of situation? You got any, Brian? You want to go first? Or? Well, I, let, let me say something about that on the front end. Sure, we, we can drag, dredge up cases about people getting into old age and needing you know, potentially years of care. Uh, and, and those are all kind of tragic stories. But the uh, bigger tragedy is a lot of people don't do the things they want to do early in retirement because they are worried about these Excellent. future costs. Mm-hmm. So, so they're missing out on the enjoyment years by not having made a conscious and deliberate plan and funding strategy for for the things that could go wrong: emergency funds, long term care. Such a good point. And and so they they hold back and they don't do the things that they really want to be doing uh, in the meantime. So that to, to me, that's as big a tragedy is is not doing the good stuff. Can I add something to that, Brian? Because that that to me. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like the people that come into our offices, you almost see more of them that take that approach. I mean, obviously, like it's kind of personality driven. So you do have some people that come in and and they're maybe spending a little too much and they 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 don't realize that they're going to have issues, you know, 10, 15 years down the road if they if they keep it up. But I see more people that are so uh, conservative uh, that they they don't know how much they can spend. They're worried about all these things. And so uh, the fear of things like long-term care or market crashes or inflation and all those things, it, it, it does constrain their, uh, their ability to live their best life. And, you know, the, there's, a, there's a saying that um, uh, my dad, uh, he told me, he said, if you don't, and this is kind of funny for a financial planner, but he said, a dollar is not yours until you've spent it, meaning you haven't realized the value of it until it's left your hand and it's, it's done something. And I see so many retired uh, people uh, even people have passed away and they, they left large estates to their kids. And if that's their intention, that's fine. But um, sometimes it's a little sad if they didn't get to spend and enjoy uh, what they earned. Um, so I think it just speaks to the importance of going through a process with, uh, you know, well, well, not to toot our own horn, but with a, with a financial planner who can kind of help you get that balance and know how much is too much to spend, but also how much is too little. I feel like it's, uh, it's just so valuable. And I've I've had some good experiences, Walter, with with doing some planning for couples that actually didn't have children. And so it's amazing how that dynamic changes where they're not looking to leave a large estate. They want mm-hmm. to spend every dollar, but not run out. So it's, it's <laughs> I, I always say the the perfect financial plan would have your last check to the IRS bounce. <laughs> yep. Leave, leave them with that parting gift, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Be the best way to plan it out. I think both of you bringing that up is a really interesting perspective, though, because we do hear so much about 
don't want to run out of money in retirement. But then there is that other side where, I mean, today's society, right, where everyone's overspending, we're, we're, we're in debt to the max as a, as a nation, you know, those kinds of mm-hmm. things. But for those who are responsible and have saved up, you do have this sort of, uh, I don't know if miser is the right word, but a little bit of a miser mentality or just that fear that you talked about, Jamal, where they just, they, they just aren't comfortable spending that money. So then they, maybe yeah. they don't live life to the fullest a little bit. And that's, that's a problem. And we can fix that too with, with proper planning. Yeah. Uh, something that strikes me in comparison, since we've kind of compared that market crash to the long-term care world as well, is we know there's going to be another market crash. We don't know necessarily when it's going to come. Uh, but oh, we know two, that there two will weeks, be. Walter, in two, two weeks. Two weeks. Oh, oh good. Well, let me, let me <laughs> put that on my calendar. Yeah. Hold on one second okay. here. Uh, <laughs> but and with long-term care, there's a little bit of that element. I mean, we don't know if we're going to have that need come up, but we may go until 90, you know, by the time we get to that point, we, then we have something that we've got to take care of. So it's both elements have unpredictability, but a little bit different in both scenarios. Yeah, this this gets really important with couples because I, I have seen a actual situation where a couple worked hard, retired. I think they even retired maybe a year or so early because everything was, you know, shaping up. There was pensions involved and uh, savings and, and, and it was all, everything was going to be great. And I think within a year of retirement, one of the uh, individuals of the couple had an early onset Alzheimer's yeah. diagnosis. And that. mm-hmm. that's that's the most tragic where you've you've just moved into retirement and maybe you think, well, I'll I'll deal with these issues later. This is something that's gonna happen when I'm in my eighties or my nineties. Yep. And and all of a sudden it gets pulled into your late fifties or your earlier mid sixties, and, and particularly for a one spouse or the other. It can have a dramatic yeah. impact on lifestyle, uh, survivor you know, security, and, and all those things. So, yeah. uh, what I find, Brian, is you never have to explain this to anybody who has lived through it with their parents or a family member or, or, or somebody where they've kind of seen it all happen up close because then they've been in it and they kind of, they kind of see how the, the ripple effect of, of what a serious... Um, long-term care situation can do. It's not just the dollars of it. It's the fact that once you get, once you realize that your health is at a certain point, uh, it's realizing that the decision is then taken away from you in terms of how you're going to manage the financial impact, because of course you can't get insurance for things that have already uh, happened. Um, And if you've got a couple and one person gets sick, you have to think about how it impacts the other person uh, as well. And frankly, that's probably where the biggest impact is because uh, if you've got a married couple, one of them gets sick, the other one, no matter what happens, even if you have long-term care insurance, the other one is going to have to majorly change their lifestyle to adjust and, and be there as the, the primary supporting caregiver. You know, that's hard even even if you have long-term care insurance. So certainly if you don't have it and you don't have help, then that can be even more uh, traumatic. The other thing is that if, uh, you know, financially, uh, the care can be so uh, expensive, maybe there's enough to take care of the first spouse that gets sick. But then what are things looking like after that person passes away? What is the surviving spouse left with? Do they have then enough to kind of go on and, and live the retirement that they that they had planned? Um, so there's a lot of, you have to really think through the implications and and understand the numbers and really model, be clear-eyed about what long-term care could cost 
and what it can do to the portfolio. And you really, you really have to model it exactly like you would a market catastrophe. Well, from what I'm hearing from you guys so far, uh, two things. One, it sounds like you're saying long-term care, and, and let's be clear on this. There's long-term care coverage, right, which is a little bit broader way of describing the situation. And then there's long-term care insurance. Uh, which is this specifically covering for a long-term care need. But I know there's alter- alternatives out there. C- can you explain a little bit about how, are, are you guys talking about everybody needs to have some element of long-term care coverage or specifically the insurance? And then since you brought up cost, I know that's that's the pushback that a lot of people have, right? Is that it's it's too yeah. expensive. So how do you overcome those conversations or or explore that to make sure that it's worthwhile for someone's situation? Yeah, let, let, let me first just say, I, I don't, we're not advocating that everyone needs long-term care insurance. Everyone just needs a plan for funding it. Yeah. So that can be self-funding. If you have enough assets and you uh, are able to afford a catastrophic scenario and you feel like you can handle that uh, because you've got enough reserves, enough pensions, enough uh, social security, whatever it is, yeah. self-funding is a perfectly acceptable uh, solution so long as you've consciously done it and that is what you're comfortable with and, and you're positive you don't need more coverage down the road or or some kind of a backstop. Yeah, I think uh, we just want to make sure that, uh, you know, if somebody's, if somebody's in my office, uh, I just want to make sure that whatever decision they're making, they're making it with, uh, they're, they're making it with real facts and not based on misconceptions. The idea that long-term care insurance is expensive is not something that's not something you want to make a decision based on because it's true that long-term care insurance is expensive it's also true that long-term care is expensive and that's why long-term care insurance is expensive and that's why you want to have a plan for dealing with it if you end up having long-term care costs a better way to do it is to when you run your retirement plan uh, as I know you do with your clients, Brian, when you run the uh, the projections, what you're going to want to do is is have a realistic idea of what care could cost for your clients. So if they're living, for example, in uh, the Greensboro area or the Lake Oconee area, um, you know, I, I took the liberty of looking it up. I think it ends up being these days the maximum, uh, you know, a high number would be about $6,000 a month. It's probably a little cheaper in, in uh, some areas of rural Georgia, maybe a little more expensive when you get in at, uh, into uh, Atlanta, but that gives you some idea. So um, if you take like a, a three to four year long-term care event, you're talking maybe 250 to $300,000 as, as a hit. And of course, if you model that 20 years down the line and you factor in inflation rates, uh, it could be a higher number. With those numbers, if you assume that somebody's got a $10 million or above portfolio, uh, maybe they're not going to be phased by that, but there are people at the lower, uh, you know, maybe maybe a couple rungs down where they would say, no, I, I'd love to have some way of, of, of dealing with that. Uh, and so if that's the case, then then long-term care insurance is, uh, ought to be given a hard look. And we can talk about different types of long-term care, but really what you're looking, the question you have to ask yourself or the strategy that you're trying to do is, where is my source of funds if I need yeah. Two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars tomorrow yep. or twenty years from now, and it can be a combination of self-funding, certain long-term care products, and there, there's there, there's a couple different solutions to that. Or you know, if you're looking at someone who's going to be selling a house and has equity in the house, I've put together some really good combos or combinations where I said, look, you don't need to fully insure that amount. 
Yeah. Maybe let's shoot for 50 to 60% of that because you have your social security, you have your dividend income, you have your reserves, and you are going to sell your house if you move into a long-term care facility. Yeah. So when you add up all of those things, you don't need a half a million dollars worth of long-term care coverage. You only need, you know, maybe two to $250,000 worth. And and once you bring that number down to the, you know, kind of the cost that gets you to your comfort level, suddenly it's not like you're trying to solve this entire problem with, with a uh, expensive solution. You know, your clients, uh, I know a lot of them are, are familiar with uh, portfolio diversification and why you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, that's how uh, we tell clients to look at the long-term care solution a lot of times is that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So um, to insure against all of this might not be the best way to do it. It might be too expensive. And what happens if you never need it? Uh, But on the other hand, if something does happen and you do need it, if you have a policy that's going to cover at least some of the expenses, then at least you're in a position to say, well, okay, at least I'm not going to pay for all of this. I've got an insurance company that's going to pick up the first dollars and, and, um, you know, maybe pay uh, 40, 50, 60% of it. And uh, the rest of it, I'll, I'll rely on other sources of income. So um, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You don't have to insure all of it. Um, and like you put it, it's just a source of funds. If you can go through this exercise and identify other sources of funds to kind of pitch in along with the insurance or in place of the insurance, I think that's perfectly, uh, that's perfectly acceptable. The, the, the most important thing is the exercise of looking at this and, and analyzing it as opposed to everybody needs long-term care insurance. That's absolutely not a position that we would take. I like your angle, too, of viewing this as from the cost standpoint. It's not about the cost, just like with everything else in life. It's about the value that you get for what you pay. So Mm. don't focus so much on just that front end number. You have to take into account the consequences of what else you have going on in your life and what you what the rest of the plan looks like. So I I think that's just a wise way to approach all of financial planning, not just necessarily this long term care conversation. But that's a good nugget. I'll definitely take away from this. Can I add, the, you know, the other thing that, that, you know, that comes to mind as you say that, you can also evaluate this kind of based on uh, the peace of mind that it gives you. I mean, you know, we can look at the numbers and, uh, you know, if, if Brian or I or, or, or uh, any retirement planner kind of runs the numbers, we can come up with a, a statistical answer and say, well, you know, the chances of you needing the care is this and the amount of care is this and you can afford it or you can't afford it. Uh, and ergo you should or should not buy long-term care insurance. But a lot of times people will buy insurance not based on that, but they'll buy it based on how it makes them feel. Um, And there are people with identical, you know, roughly identical portfolios and financial situations. Some people are going to buy it, some people are not. Why? Because some of the people that buy it, they say, you know what, I'm just going to feel better knowing that I have this because this could happen, I've seen it happen, and I'm just going to sleep easier if I have it. There are other people, they just don't have that that motivation, they say, you know, we'll deal with this if it happens, but until then, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy what I have, and and if uh, if something happens, then uh, then then we'll deal with it. So that's, you know, both of those are valid positions. Again, it's part of the retirement process is is just going through these exercises as opposed to coming to the inevitable conclusion that one needs, uh, you know, must have this product. And one of my favorite questions to ask clients, Walter, is how much money would you like to allocate towards this danger or this potential problem. And instead of me telling them, oh, I think you're going to need three or four or $500,000 potentially, I just, I just, I draw a box and I said, here's, here's your emergency fund. And I said, now here's, here's another box for long-term care. How much of your portfolio do you want to put in this box? Well, if they 
agree that they want two, three, four hundred thousand dollars there. That's going to my point earlier. That's got to come from current funds or the fund fund, like we like to to talk about. And if you can show a client a way to do that for a fraction of the cost, you know, if you allocate fifty or a hundred thousand dollars to the right type of coverage, you can lever that up into hundreds of thousands of tax-free long-term care benefit. And now we have freed up that money for the things that you actually want to do and and spend money on. So there is a approached correctly. And as long as you understand what you're trying to do, you can actually free up some funds as opposed to this being something that ties up a lot of your money. And then that green lights you to do the, the things that you want to do now. You're saying if you earmark it, is that, what you, is that what I heard you say there, Brian? Like if you have different parts of the portfolio and you say, okay, this is this is going to be for the long-term care bucket and I'm going to put it in long-term care insurance so that it can be there when that's necessary and then the other stuff I'm free to spend on what I want. Is that is that what I heard you say? Yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. If, if you know, if, let's say you have a million dollars and I want to put $250,000 into the long-term care bucket just yeah. as an emergency fund. Well, if I can achieve that same number or better with a fraction of that money, yes. Mm-hmm. then you've, you've solved the risk, you've solved the concern and, and anxiety that you have, and you know you've got that dollar amount available there when you need it. But if we've taken that number from $250,000 to $100,000, yeah. or whatever it is, obviously it, it all depends. By, well, now we've just freed up $150,000 of your own money to do what you want to do with. To produce income, to, yep. Mm-hmm, yep. How, how much more fun is that than squirreling away from <laughs> long-term care? That is good, yes. Fo- focus on the benefits and the value. Yes, agreed. It all kind of uh, points back to the creativity of the plan, and that's why it's just so much different talking to you guys as certified financial planners uh, compared to maybe somebody who's you know just handling investments. You really do look at the comprehensive picture. Um, you go deep into all the different layers. I mean, we've talked this much just about this long-term care issue, and it's really just one small part of the overall financial plan and process. And my big takeaway on the long-term care stuff is address it before you need it. That's definitely the takeaway. You know, we started off with the comparisons to the stock market and uh, market crashes, and that being one major threat to retirement security, long-term care being another one. But, you know, we kind of get to live through a couple of different market crashes in our lives, right? I mean, we just lived through one a couple of months ago. We lived through one in 2008. They are along to kind of regularly remind us that we need to be planning for them. This long-term care issue is only going to hit you once in your life. And in 90% of cases, I'm pulling that stat out of the air, but it's an end-of-life starter, you know, when these things hit. And that there Mm -hmm. is no opportunity on the other side to get ready for the next one. I mean, this is a one-time event, and so you've got to have that plan in place. And I know that that all wraps in, Brian, to um, you know the living worth four Ps uh, planning process. You want to talk us, to us a little bit about that and about how long-term care fits in? Yeah. So, well, obviously, the, the personal is the soft stuff. You know, what, what do you want to do? Who do you want to spend time with? And where do you want to go? What do you want to accomplish? The portfolio is, is, is pretty straightforward and what gets talked about the most around here. But as you get into the programs, that is the um, Medicare, uh, Social Security, estate planning, taxes. Well, as we discussed in the Medicare podcast, being like Swiss cheese, there are holes in Medicare coverage. Long-term care is the big hole 
in the programs that that we're a part of. And and so addressing that leads to the protections, which is the the final P. And um, it's a vital topic. We we save it for last because it it's usually the one that is easiest to procrastinate and and put off and most people don't want to deal with and they think they have plenty of time to deal with it. We used to discuss it first when I worked for the insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's yeah, now that, we discuss that, it last. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I love it. it. Shows you the difference in priorities, right? Absolutely. When, when you when you have a a quota or a goal or a you know specific product agenda that you've you've got yeah you have to start with that product so yeah. uh, we've been able to flip the script here and we can actually start i work for my clients i don't yes. work for charles schwab in fact charles schwab works for me i pay them to to custody assets there but that then frees me from a corporate or top-down mandate to sell any particular thing. So I, 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 don't, I have nothing that I have to sell anybody. Makes such a difference. And it changes the dynamic and the conversation. And we just want to make sure we're addressing all of these, the structure that we have here. If you want to take insurance first and, and protections first, we can, we can certainly reorder things. But I find this to be a good way to, to ease on into it. So the personal portfolio programs and then protections last, the four P's part of the planning process. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, maybe want to have a conversation about Brian um, and the way that he and the team at Living Worth Wealth Advisors can help you plan for your future, not only to retirement, all the way through retirement, making sure that you're well-prepared to handle all the different pitfalls that might come along, like the stock market crash uh, that we talked about at the beginning of the show, like a long-term care need that comes up. Uh, give a call. Get in touch. 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800, or, of course, the easy way, go online to livingworth.com and just click the contact button there on the page to get in touch through the website. That's livingworth.com, and you can actually schedule a time to meet with Brian right there from the site. Well, this is uh, the conclusion of part one of this conversation about these threats to your retirement security. On the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about annuities. One of the, you know, we talked about products on today's show uh, and insurance products, uh, the long-term care insurance kind of being one central one. Well, this is a whole other world that's in that in insurance realm of talking about annuities and viewing those as kind of the magic bullet for a financial plan. Are they truly a magic bullet? Are, are they as bad as some people say and are they as good as other people say? We're going to talk about that controversial topic with Jamal, with Brian on the next edition of the podcast. So guys, uh, thanks for joining us on part one here. Looking forward to joining you on the next episode here soon. Sounds great. We'll get all those protections wrapped up for you. Thank you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Jamal. Thanks, Brian. And thank you for listening to today's show. We'll talk to you again next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise.
Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.